You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Albert Chong. Albert is the VP of Digital at Ilya Beauty, one of the fastest growing international beauty brands in the world. He specializes in helping scale businesses by building in-house digital teams with a growth performance marketing approach to customer acquisition, customer retention, customer experience, and web analytics. He has replicated this growth approach across multiple consumer categories, including beauty, fitness, fashion, and nutrition. His experience includes selling contact lenses and glasses with coastal.com slash clearlycontacts.ca, which is acquired by 430 million, shoes online with shoes.com and online shoes.com, supernova XYZ, and has launched three profitable beauty and fitness DTC brands from zero to eight figure brands each in just two years after launch. That's quite the resume, Albert. Welcome. I'm really excited to have you and and be able to chat with you for our audience at Marketing News Canada. Hey, guys. Hey, Daryl. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And a big fan of the podcast. As a fellow Canadian from British Columbia living in the U.S., always love to connect to any other fellow Canadians. Kind of miss it up there, but down here in Seattle, it's not too far away. Hey, you're welcome back anytime and we definitely miss you. <laughs> so Albert, let's get right into it. I want to know how you got into digital marketing and hear about your origin story. How did you come to where you are today with Ilya Beauty and that extensive list of brands you have scale? You can start wherever you want, really, in your Yeah, in your it's, it's kind of funny, like going through university at BCIT, I actually just majored in IT management. So actually, digital marketing was not even wow. on my radar. I know what I did love. I love video games. I love technology. I love the internet. I, yes, sir. I like I used to do all these IRC things. I just I just loved mm. development a little bit. So that's why I started in development. But my start really was at Clearly Contacts. That's when I kind of bridged my love of technology, my love of just doing stuff and apply it to business. And that's when I kind mm-hmm. of learned, wait a minute. Like marketing is a big part of actually driving impact. And I actually can combine it with my love of tech and, Mm -hmm. you know, getting stuff done at a technical level. So I'm even programming a little bit and combine it with like business, combine it with marketing, combine it with customer centric stuff, Mm -hmm. customer experience, analytics. So coming from a very numbers mindsets, combining IT and all these other things I'm passionate about, it's kind of sat right with me. Um, at the end yes. of the day, kind of in my mind, my mission and what I love to do, I just love driving results. Like I love executing mm-hmm. and then seeing results from that and then learning from that and then applying it to the next project. And if you repeat that process over and over again, kind of like a video game, right? You, you just, if you fail, you just try it again and try it again you learn so much yes. over the course. And, you know, if I were to sum up my mission in one sentence, it would really just, I love learning. And I take that over and over and over again in many different scenarios to drive impact. Mm-hmm. Now, when you started at Clearly Contacts and Coastal and then going to Shoes, like what were you kind of deciding when you made that switch? What was the driving factor for you to go from that brand to the next brand? Uh, from, from Clearly to Shoes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it was an interesting point in time. I think clearly got acquired and most of the management over to shoes. And I think one of the ideas was that, you know, they were really successful at selling contact lenses and eyeglasses. That's a really hard category to crack, actually. Oh, what, why is that? Can you give a little more context? Well, there's there? a lot of, you know, when you're selling, you know, those specific 
products, there's the idea of prescriptions, right? It's, it's a health mm-hmm. product. I think in Canada and the U.S. is a little bit different, but there is a barrier of purchasing online because of the need for the prescription. And that was an interesting challenge to overcome, as well as the brands, the products like AccuView and all those other brands. It's very competitive. Whereas in a brand like Shoes.com, you know, the mentality could have been we can sell contacts and glasses, and it's the same as selling shoes online. But actually, there's a fundamental difference there. If you think about it, Mm. a multi-brand retailer like Shoes.com has hundreds and hundreds of brands. And so one of the key differences is relationships with each vendor, like your Nikes, your Adidas, Mm -hmm. your... Mm-hmm. Rugs, like the relationships are key to that. And that's a little bit different yeah. than selling contacts online. But I've learned a lot about merchandising, how important that relationship, mm-hmm. how important the buyers have with the other brands. And I also understood when working with a brand, how they kind of prioritize their own DTC website versus selling on shoes.com. Mm-hmm versus selling Mm on Amazon.com. It's actually really interesting to be on that side of the coin. And Mm -hmm. kind of the question is, especially in shoes.com, the number one thing I learned there is why would a customer buy their Uggs at shoes.com when they could go in stores? Or Mm -hmm. why would they buy it on shoes.com when they can buy it on Amazon? And Mm -hmm. answering that why is actually so impactful. And that's what I learned, number one, from that experience, which was crucial to, I think, how I got to today, I think. Yeah, thank you for sharing. So from then, that was contactstoshoes.com. What about now at Ilya? What was the last step you took before your current position and how did you find yourself here? Yeah, it's actually pretty funny. So I've been traveling the world. I've worked in Singapore. I worked in Australia. I think, so this was back in 2019, I wanted to come back to the US. This was at the point of time when D2C companies with Shopify and like paid social was really taking off. And what year was this for context? What year was this? I think this was around 2018, 2019. This is when all of the big D2C brands were just spending tons of money on Shopify, on paid advertising. And basically anyone could start up a brand and make it successful. And I think that yeah. being in the US, specifically in LA, was the key there. And I saw this opportunity with Ilya, actually also from Vancouver, oh, really wow. having a vision and pioneer in the clean makeup space. And I just mm-hmm. thought I could bring what I learned in my previous roles, really on paid social as one example, but overall 360 mm-hmm. growth marketing. And that's kind of my key here is growth marketing to really just apply what I've learned in the past here and to see it grow. I think that's been pretty successful. Like again, quite the path you've taken to where you are today and glad to hear that, you know, you're learning lessons and valuable lessons that you're able to reapply the next, uh, for the next brand. Definitely, it sounds like you've gotten to, to where you are based on a lot of hard work, but also based on that model you shared of learning and growing and applying it to the next project. Ilya's lucky to have you. Now for our listeners who don't know about the brand, can you just give me the quick breakdown. What is Ilya Beauty and what are you doing within the beauty space? Yeah. So Ilya Beauty is a clean beauty brand. Actually, it was created back in a long time ago, but it really got its legs just in the past few years. You know, I think we Mm -hmm. sell in Sephora, Credo Beauty in the US as well. 
So we have a huge wholesale network and really just D2C really was started to become a big focus when I joined back in 2019. Mm-hmm. I remember when, you know, just a few thousand a day was actually a really great day. And then fast forward three years, like, you know, it's way different. And so we've seen a huge transformation just in three years. Obviously, like how everyone else is in e-com, we just saw a huge pandemic lift. We've done a lot of good things along the way. I think one of the things that we have done right that I'm really proud of actually is, I know you come from the agency side, so I know I, I don't know if I need to say about yes, this, sir. but like we do everything ourselves. We do all the media buying ourselves. My favorite thing to do at Ilya is actually just being the media buyer, being the marketer, being the business, being the technologists and being empathetic to all of our teams and working with creative as well. I'm also working with creative and very deeply intense level, same with our influencer team. And so I get to be kind of like an in-house agency a little bit. And that just feels so empowering. And one of the best things about Ilya as well, when I first joined, and this is a marketer's dream, by the way, is there was nothing set up when I joined. And when it's completely blank slate, you're able to craft everything from your own image, your own process, and you don't have anything legacy, right? Imagine you're a marketer yeah. or a technologist and you join a big company. There's a lot of tech debts or there's a lot of history that you need to understand and how things are set up the right way and then make your own slowly from there. But when I first joined, I just implemented all these things right from the start. I refactored the website. I know how it works. And I think that was actually one of the keys as a marketer entrepreneur, setting these things up from the very beginning with best practice in mind is better than when joining a big company and you need to spend a ton of understanding time and understanding like what has happened in the past. Does that kind of make sense? Of course. You know what? I'm going to say that that depends on the marketer you are. That either sounds like someone's dream or worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that like you have all this experience that you've you've gained over the years in actual jobs, practicing, solving those issues. And you're a very, it's fair to say, a high-level marketer. You're very senior. You're a VP of digital. But then... You know, if, if you were someone who is maybe underqualified, who didn't have the experience setting up frameworks, coming into a position where nothing's set up could be someone's worst nightmare. So I think I think this is one of those cases where it's the perfect person for the perfect position. And you were able to kind of step in instead of having to look at what has been done in the past and kind of work through that. Because you're absolutely right there. That can be a nightmare as totally. well. Totally. And, you know, if I had a you know, piece of advice for a new marketer joining and getting in the industry today, it's really focus on one thing and master that. And that for me yeah. was first paid search. I mastered paid search. And I'm not talking like, hey, paid search, check mark. Like I could answer very complex issues when it comes down to like, attribution, non-brand versus brand costs, I can explain everything to a T. So I kind of mastered the the mastery towards paid social versus I know some paths of marketers are or entrepreneurs are like, do everything a little bit and have a check on everything. And actually, yeah, don't be a generalist. Exactly. And one of my favorite interview questions, actually, oh, oh, secret, when I talk to (laughs) candidates is, I want you to explain to me in very great detail when you first join in an experience from, let's say, 100K a year to 1 mil, I want you to explain to me how you did that. And that is a very different mindset from someone who already joined at 1 million. So being Mm -hmm. able to explain what exactly and specifically has driven growth is a very valuable question to ask. 
because the more specific yeah, it, they can get, you kind of know they actually know what they're doing because they probably did it firsthand. Yeah, and it starts to indicate and tell a little bit about that mastery that you're talking about, right? You want to see a little bit of that, even at that stage. Exactly. Nowadays, everyone knows paid social, but to really understand the nitty gritty of if you change this guy, what happens if you change that? That is the type of mastery I think I hope to see in the next generation of marketers and entrepreneurs. I think that's me too. Obviously, since I'm agency side, like we have all of these specialists, we only hire specialists. And generalists is something that I feel you tend to run into a lot more on the brand side. Not on your team, obviously, but you know some of our brands, they have generalists working at the company and that's why they find resources and, and specialists. So that's really good advice. You actually took one of my questions right out of my mouth, which was, you know, we, what were some resources or something you could recommend to someone entering or budding marketer entering the industry? So I appreciate that. So um, I'd love to take a step back and look at digital as a whole. And you've been in this space for, for so long and you've been, like you said, mastering what you've picked to master and learning from it. But I'm someone who can resonate with this as well. You've seen the evolution of budgets, you know, shift from TVC out of home to digital and slowly take more and more of that budget. Throughout your career, what are some like aha moments that you've seen within marketing or industry where you're like, oh, I'm on the right side. I'm on the side where the budgets are coming. You know, what are some aha moments? And these can be like brand campaigns that you saw that you didn't even work on or just a shift in the industry or a shift in, you know, people's wanting to work in digital. Yeah, share that with me and, and the audience. Yeah, I think one topic that probably everyone can resonate to is the idea of brand budgets versus performance budget. I obviously mm -hmm. live on the performance mm -hmm. side. And as a performance marketer, one of my aha moments was I love, even though brand awareness campaigns, you can't really tie it back to revenue. I still love to give feedback on how do I measure it? Is there any number I can kind of give to that side? Because especially, I think, you know, going back to like 2019, I think that's when performance really took a lot of the budgets because of direct response. Finance team wants to show revenue in the same month we spend yes. and can't do that with billboards. Now, from my career, I kind of progressed, especially when I launched this DDC brands, performance marketing budgets was probably honestly like 100%. And that really drives short-term growth really fast. And that's how, and you mentioned my bio, go from zero to you know six figures to eight figures in like two years really fast. That's a lot of performance marketing budget straight there. And that requires you a ton of customers. One of my aha moments, I think, was telling that brand story. Because if you follow just the performance marketing approach forever, I think in my mind, and what I've seen is your customer retention is actually not going to be as good as one that buys because of your brand. Now, I know that is a longer term play and it's more financially risky, but in the long term, direct response marketing tends to be more impulse buyers. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. truth. <laughs> what I love to do is actually ask customers. I love to go into stores and ask, hey, how did you first hear about Ilya? And, you know, some of the questions like, oh, I actually heard it from an ad or I hear it from a billboard. Typically, the ones who say I learned about Ilya from a billboard tend to have better lifetime value, right? Same mm -hmm. thing with if they mm -hmm. answer, oh, word of mouth. Those tends to have higher lifetime value. But in terms of immediate short-term volume that we need to hit targets, Sometimes direct response is the answer. So my answer is you kind of need both. And as a performance marketer, you can't just fully like 
drill down into short-term results. You can't. Uh, I mean, you can, but that's going to lead to lower repeat rates. And so there is a balance. That's something that I've come to peace with. And so mm-hmm. the brand team is pretty much my favorite team now. I love to work with them. I love to give feedback. I love to say, how can we make this a little bit more trackable? And so they're armed with a little bit more feedback. And you know, I'm able to kind of move growth a little bit faster. And this is what I love about my job. Yeah, really appreciate that insight. I mean, I think having the ability to have that type of purview and have that type of top-down observation is something you only get after spending many years in this industry. So super valuable. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When it comes to building digital teams in-house, right, this is something that you specialize in, you've done multiple times, you're building a digital team in-house. I know you said, you you know, part of your interview question is breaking down very granularly uh, someone's approach to getting them into that initial six figures. But other than that, when you are building a digital team in-house, in-office, digitally, however you've done them, what is something that you look for in a person? Like what is something that from a hard skill or soft skill, more so on the soft skill side, what is something to you that when you're building the team is like, you have to have this quality to be on my team because that's what drives success. Yeah, I mean, number one, it's the mastery part. Mastery of the channel, which I mentioned before. Number two, I love working with candidates or people who can take a very complex digital problem 
and communicate it, not over a meeting, but over Slack, for example, or email <laughs> in a very simple way that anyone can understand. And this, and okay. honestly, I think communication, well, obviously, number one for me is mastery of your channel. Let's say that's checked. Number two, what's your communication skills? Are they a great... Mm-hmm chat communicator? Can they chat in Mm -hmm. real time? Can they break down a very complex problem and explain it to me in very simple Mm -hmm. words? I'll take you an an example Mm -hmm. here. The whole iOS piece that has affected all of e-com and advertisers. Can you take that specific problem and drill it down to me in a few sentences that makes complete sense? So that ability to communicate, honestly, is so important to me. And I extremely value that in a way that is not too complicated, not too numbers driven, yeah. but in a way any human can yeah. understand. That to me is probably my number two thing that I look for. Yeah, I would say number one for me, like that, I totally agree with you. The understanding the question, understanding what needs to be explained first, and then breaking it down to be able to explain that to a brand team someone who could be on another department, being able to communicate that really clear and efficiently is, is definitely super valuable. So agreed there totally. as well. My, my other one would probably be, especially when you're talking to specialists, you know, if you're hiring an agency mm-hmm. or, or someone who's specialized in a specific channel, of their work, can they explain how it ties back to revenue? And so this is the business mm-hmm. piece. I think I've seen a lot of you know, other brands prioritize, let's say, personalization as a huge project. But how much does it actually count or drive an impact towards the business? So tying whatever mm-hmm. channel you are, email, website, how are you measuring impact? How are you measuring effort? So the number three concept is how do you prioritize? And if I'm yeah. able to understand your list of prioritizations and you can explain to me why you prioritize this over this, and if I agree with you, then that's the number three thing that I look for in an ideal candidate for my team. Yeah. They need to understand what drives the business for it, not just what they do, but how whatever they're doing drives the business for it. Exactly. That's totally right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Looking at the brand, Ilya, looking at what you guys are doing this year, I know you just returned from Paris during the heat wave, no less. What are you really excited this year? Could be brand side, could be what you're working on, but what are you really excited for, you know, what Ilya is doing this year? Can you share something that, you know, that's not bound by non-disclosure? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I mean, look, up until this point, like, this is what I've learned, especially at Supernova, where I've had to focus on three brands global markets, each country, how do I ship to each market? You know, there's there's a few different mindsets in D2C. There's one world where you need to focus on many different brands as a brand incubator. Because I know there's a lot of brand incubators out there. We're just like, let's get so many brands and go everywhere all at once. And I've been there and it's really hard to actually switch from this brand oh, to that yeah. brand to that yeah. brand. And yeah. to this market, to this market, to this market. That's actually really hard as a marketer to do because you're so focused on these high-level strategic things that you just get out of the weeds a little bit. That's what I don't like. Yeah. I think yeah. going into you know this year and next for Ilya, you know, I think we've been really just focused on one market so far. And I think that you know, we've been doing that fairly well, I would say. And we have a really great growth formula to what we've done in the past. And I think to... To focus globally, I think, 
is an interesting challenge as well. And I think that comes with learnings that we've done in the past and really just taking what we have and just replicating it. And that's not that different from what I've learned at Supernova with those brands applying it here. So again, this is kind of like a copy paste a little bit. If it works in one market, (laughs) will it work in every single market? And how do I amplify that? Because at least for now, I can say, I think what we've has been working. And, you know, I think we just want to continue to to go global with that. That is really exciting. I'd be excited about that too. I'd love to switch over into our quick fire question. Yeah, right, let's do right it. Now. now, you can answer this. The goal of this is for our audience to kind of, you know, they're comprised of entrepreneurs, junior marketers, senior marketers, business owners. So it's a chance for them to get to know you a little bit more personally. So you can answer these as quickly or as long as you want, but let's jump right into it. So First question is, are you a night owl or early bird? Night owl. Night owl? Nice. What time do you go to sleep every night? Uh, it's not too bad, 11, but uh, I love my video game time, especially yes, in the evening. That's, that's when I'm at my best. Okay. <laughs> Me too. Actually, I'm going to add a quick fire question. What game are you playing right now? Overwatch. Overwatch? Nice. Yep. Nice. Used, um, to be, used to be Counter-Strike 1.6. Oh, no way. A lot of your listeners hopefully can relate to that, but I was hardcore. No way. No way. 1.6? Yeah, man. We're we're talking competitive (laughs) esports. Okay. 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 I guess another question then from that, what's your favorite map on 1.6? Dust 2. Yes, sir. (laughs) Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) What was your first phone? Your first phone? Nokia. It was a Nokia phone. The brick. Yep, it was, it was brick. a brick. Phone that I loved the most was one that I jailbroke. Oh, no, sorry. I was on Android Realm, so I rooted that phone. I love rooting. I love getting into the details. I love just, like, hacking that shit up. And uh, <laughs> just, 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 like, playing around with it like a sandbox. I love that stuff. You've been doing this the whole podcast and stealing my next question from me. My next question was your favorite phone. All right, so this this one, I think, will require a little bit of introspection. If you could only pick three of the four following foods for the rest of your life, and you had to cut out one, what would it be? The four are dim sum, Korean food, sushi, or pho? If I had to choose three of those? Yeah, if you had to cut out one for the rest of your life, what would what would you cut out? I would probably cut out... Oh, that is a tough one. <laughs> I can see pain in his face to our listeners right now, just so you know. I'd have to cut out Korean food. I'm kind of reliant sometimes on dim sum, pho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but, sushi. Uh, and, and sushi. I'm a convenience eater. I love whatever is available to me and closest. <laughs> I'm pretty lazy when it comes to that stuff, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. what I would choose. Well, you're in Seattle. You got a lot of good food nearby, I'm sure. Do you listen to podcasts regularly? I guess this question. Yeah, I do actually. Okay, so then what is your favorite podcast? Though? Oh, I would say the Wall Street Journal. I love these 20 minutes shorts bursts on kind of what's relevant. It's very timely and it's really mm-hmm. quick and easy to, to listen to. And yeah, it's a little bit deep dive on a specific topic, which I love. Nice. What is your favorite movie you've watched this year? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Man, I got to watch that. I've gotten that recommended was so many times. It was a really great play on... I was going to say the metaverse, but I think it's called the multiverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, they did that really, really well. So that is actually one of my all-time favorites. And it, it, was oh, just, wow. it just came out this year, I think. Okay. You've been in Seattle long enough now. So what is your favorite date spot in Seattle? I would say Gas Works Park. Yeah. So in Seattle, it's kind of like an old structure, but it has a really great view of the lake. Now, 
for majority of the year, it's rainy and cloudy. But for the two, three months of summer, it's actually summer in Seattle, in my opinion, is you can't beat that. You appreciate it more coming from Pacific Northwest. Before this, I was living in LA where it's summer every single day. Yeah. But living in <laughs> Seattle, Pacific Northwest, you kind of appreciate sunny days because it doesn't come out often. Yeah. Yeah. You, you sound just like a Vancouver, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With that answer, yeah. This is a fun question. If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? I would love to become a developer. I know that's kind of in the same realm, but... I love to solving problems and without relying on other people. And I'm really jealous of our developer where she just gets to sit down with code every day and solve problems and create and ship products. That is what I love. In my role, I love the meetings. You know, I love working with people as well. But, you know, some parts of me, I'm, a, I'm an introvert at heart. I just really love to sit down for eight hours, solve a problem, ship a product. And honestly, that might be my retirement plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's definitely within the same realm, but it's... Obviously, it's a big part of, you know, your answers have been very clear, like the, the types of building and things that you like to enjoy. It makes total sense. I think maybe if I was younger, like in my my late teens, I would probably be, wish I was a competitive Easterberts player because I know <laughs> that has been getting a lot of attention recently, especially with oh. the invention of Twitch and everything. But honestly, the the career span of an esports player probably is super short. So that's kind of my Backup, backup plan. Backup, backup plan <laughs> is uh, to be competitive in that space. I still tell my mom, like, hey, I knew pro video gamers was going to be a thing and you stopped me. <laughs> exactly. Still joke about that. All right. Last question here before a photo. But what is your favorite social media platform when it comes to your personal usage? <laughs> so I'm a very personal person. Actually, I'm going to say LinkedIn. Perfect answer. I actually use LinkedIn probably 10 times more than, and, and I don't know if I post a lot, but I definitely spend the most time on it. It's the most yeah. interesting to me in terms of just like news and what's relevant to me. And yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. I think it's, it's just the most useful to me, I think. I think LinkedIn has had a big glow up, to use a term, has a big glow up over the last two years. It's really blown up in terms of uh, the usage and people's, I think their transitions really between their careers over COVID. It's been like a, a really a place where you go to where you see positivity consistently instead oh. of, you know, what what gets shared on, on some of the other social media platforms. Totally. Don't get me wrong. I love my, I love my Instagram stuff. I love Facebook discussions as well, especially Facebook groups where it's like those. And, you know, for those listeners, you know, starting out maybe like a TikTok ad strategy group, they have really great discussions in there too. Shopify, Facebook groups, Facebook ad, Facebook groups. Like there's some pretty good discussions in there when I kind of want to poke it and see what everyone else is talking about. Yeah. Uh, I don't contribute. So that's kind of fun for me. And yeah, that's, that's where I kind of spend most of my time. That's a perfect way to wrap right right there, Albert. You literally took and answered a question that I didn't have time to ask earlier, which is what is a resource you could recommend to budding marketers? Facebook groups, discussions for specialists. Exactly. But honestly, <laughs> the, the one thing I'll add in there too, like I know there's a lot of courses on digital marketing on, on specific mm -hmm. channels. At the end of the day, 
you can't beat hands-on experience. How I got to where I am today, it's the experience of spending 100 or 200 or, or whatever amount of money yourself and setting things up yourself. That is much more significantly more valuable than just taking a course. I, of course, take mm-hmm. a course if you know it's your very beginning, but just sometimes, and, and I know this is different compared to when I first started in search, it's a lot easier. Like something that took me eight hours to optimize on paid search probably takes me 10 minutes now because a lot mm-hmm. of programming with a lot of it is becoming easier, simpler. Same thing with Facebook. They're starting to simplify things. Instagram starting to simplify things. All these platforms are making it so easy to, to do. So that's where the industry has changed a lot, actually. It used to be all these micro targeting, have to be super targeted with super hyper targeted creatives. But Honestly, now it's really just, let's just target everyone and see what happens. And yeah. uh, that's something I think I've seen in the past few years of the, the marketing industry going. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate the advice. I know our listeners do. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you, getting to know your background, getting to know some of the simple pleasures you take in your life, Albert. Really appreciate the answers. Really appreciate the time, most of all. It's been a pleasure talking to you and, and hearing your responses. And, and thank you for being on this episode of Marketing News Canada. Thanks, Errol. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.